mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we're back with episode 38, and this mm-hmm. is the Grace episode. Okay. It's John David's first kid. So the whole Bachelor to the Rapture thing <laughs> obviously didn't kind of, didn't play out the way he thought. Grace. But um, we're back after an unexpected week off. <laughs> Man. So first of all, people on the gram saw the announcement. Mm-hmm. Graham is a good place to be so you can keep up to date with things like this. Um, I have, I've had a few people say that they only have Instagram to see visuals and things, which I'm <laughs> flattered. But that's, a, that's the place to keep up with when life throws, you know, these things at us. We already knew we had a really busy week, <laughs> yep. as it was. Normal work shit for Tim. And then I, um, I've been dog sitting and like whatever. So I haven't even been staying at the house. I'm, I ran home tonight so we could record this, but I have to leave again. So I've been gone since Friday. Um, and then Tim was taking the weekend off from work to do a private catering gig that he did at NASCAR, which is another thing you could see on Instagram. So he was yep. like right off the track. Them hot, hot Insta visuals. Yep. So we already knew that. And even in that, at that point, we were like, we're, we're still going to try to make it happen, which is probably not even realistic. Realistic. Even back then. Yeah. <laughs> and then life threw us even more of a, a curveball. On what day was that? Thursday? I don't know. So, um, I don't know if you want it. Should we talk about that at all or no? Yeah. I'm not. Let's just do a Cliff's Notes and we can talk about it more in depth. Yeah, there's no shame in my game. Um, I put a notice at the hotel on the chef at. Yeah, so. Um, lots of time. reasons. They don't matter right now. Yeah. Um, we can but... talk about it some other time, but it was time. <laughs> yeah. Three years is a long time, especially post-COVID, to work in the food industry at a single place and um long story short we had some management changes and i just i need something different out of a boss i gave it i gave it the old college try and it just wasn't a compatible employer and employee relationship anymore so. tim has been trying for a year yeah and i mean it's not it's been a build it's been part of it but the nosedive really happened in the matter of a couple of days like yep last week so and it was um, all leading to yeah, it. I felt I, like it was leading but there. Still, but still, it still felt kind of abrupt. I don't know. Like, just in, like, yeah. the, like, this, like, it's time to go. Like, and I'm very, like, uneasy with those type of things. But even I was like, yep, it's, it's time. So, yeah. He put in his notice on Thursday and just kind of dealing with all of that. And then him going into having to do this, like, catering that week. I was like, we just do not have it in us to pull this together right now yeah. and put out an episode. So, um, on a I, positive note, out of that, um, I had kind of been looking and putting some apps in, just testing the industry. And the day before I actually put my notice in, I had a Zoom call. It was the same day. And um, was, I and you know, I I talked to that person that was kind of outside of ops, kind of a recruiting person, and that went well. They had me do like a personality test, and it was supposed to be like a 
you know, a little bit farther down. Like, we'll get you on a Zoom with, like, the ops director. And then they were like, hey, can you do it tomorrow? Fast tracked. So the and, very next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it's like then the day that, you know, that happened and, you know, kind of the notice went in. They were like, that went really well. So they were like, cool. Maybe after the weekend, you know, we'll have you Zoom with the uh, kind of the chef in charge of the brand. And then they were like, actually, can you do it tomorrow? <laughs> so I Zoomed. In three days, we did rapid-fire Zoom meetings, and it went really well. So I have a stage at a restaurant on Thursday. It's kind of a working interview. And then the chef literally told me, best-case scenario, we give you an offer letter at the end of that stage. But let's... um. So I don't know, maybe this episode might be releasing on Thursday, but <laughs> whenever you're hearing this, just send your positive vibes. You know, he, he did put in his notice without having something officially lined up, but it was just time. It, you know, it was just... Yeah. Tim's fucking tired. And there's yeah. putting up with the food industry. The food industry is hard. You're never going to go somewhere and magically have staff. You're yep. never not going to be busy. You're never not going to mm-hmm. have, have it be hard on your body. But this had just hit a point of the emotional toll. And it was just it's ridiculous. Just, it was just hard. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was just, it's time to go. And yeah, so just put your positive vibes that we can get this next thing rolling quickly because <laughs> it had to be done regardless. But anyway, so that's where we've been. It was yep. just really hard to pull it all together with all that going on. Caterings and, you know, and that. And I was proposing um, her taking her computer and us trying to do the podcast over, um, like over Zoom or even discord like figuring out how to do it like with one person in a different location and it's like nope i'll come home (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so um so now that you've gotten the life update you weren't asking for or maybe you were i'm not sure but Mm -hmm. if you're on instagram you'd know that there was something happening you just didn't know exactly (laughs) what was going on right but so this episode is duggars on wheels and it premiered june 23rd of 2009 So the episode starts off with Jackson accidentally locking the keys inside their bus. Yep. So Lego has to open the, and Michelle's just like, oh, like she's at like, he locked the keys in the bus. Yeah. So Lego has to open the emergency exit at the back, like the thing that like folds down Mm -hmm. basically. And there's like, um, the lift part is kind of like, you know, still like inside the bus, like that part's not full down. Mm -hmm. And so he's having to have a kid, like lift the kid up over that piece of like that great type thing or whatever. And they're having to crawl over that gate type thing and, um, go over and unlock the bus because everything's inside. And then there's a wasp inside the bus. So, uh, boob is swatting at it and, you know. With like a local retailer fly swatter. Yeah. So it is Jason's ninth birthday and he's child number 12. Cannon says that he used to be quiet, but recently he's coming out of a shell and he's very funny. So Josiah says that he's a very nice boy. I just think that's so funny to your brother be like, he's a nice boy. I thought that was hilarious. He's a very nice boy. He loves to share and he's, um kind of quiet sometimes he says i did have a friend that was a uh an elementary school teacher in tucson and he loved teaching third grade because he felt like in 
third grade. Maybe it was fifth grade. I don't know. Um, but he loved that grade because you had kids that were starting to kind of show their personality. They had opinions about stuff that you wouldn't assume that a, a child would have opinions about. And you can tell that they're at the age where they're trying to, they're getting a little bit away of just kind of repeating what their parents say. And they're yeah, kind of they're starting coming to coming into their own a little bit. Yeah. So he loved teaching that age of kid. So the reason they're getting ready to load up in the bus is because they're he- heading to the roller skating rink for his birthday. Jed, and I mean missionary Jed, not artist Jed, not artist. since there are apparently two Jeds. Um, <laughs> so missionary Jed is showing off Michelle's skates that she's bringing along. Mm-hmm. And he says, quote, these are my mom's. She's had them for a little while because she used <laughs> to skate a lot. It's her favorite thing to do. I l- Which... Good. I just like his a little while, and I'm like, good save. Yeah. <laughs> the The way they were describing it, and Michelle talks so much about how she loves it, it made me wonder, like, the kids probably like getting out and, like, doing stuff, but I'm like, do they all, like, really love skating? Or is it just a thing where they get to go out and have fun, and then their mom obviously shows this, like, part of her personality that they don't know? Well, I didn't. I don't think I wrote it down, but I think it might have been the other Jed. That mm. is like I don't really like skating. Yeah. <laughs> like one of them says specifically. Well, like, even really... even Jason when he was like didn't seem like he was a hundred percent into it. You know. Yeah. I can I make one comment. Yeah. There's a point where one of the little one of the littler kids um, falls on a bike and hurts his knee, mm-hmm. and Lego Harris to go over because he's like, ah, you know, and the brothers are just kind of staring at him. So Lego Hairgrove is there and like picks him up and he's like, where'd you get hurt? Let me see. And there's like nothing there. Yeah. The little kid thing where you cry because you're startled. Right. I'm not hurt. I'm startled. Yeah. And then when you have cargo pants that are that thick, you're already kind of wearing protective gear. You're fine. It's like knee pads. Um, Yeah. So there was nothing there, but I I made a comment about how Lego Hair did check and see if there was anything. And he had a little bit of road rash, but he was fine. Um, and then when he was like, oh, you're fine, you're fine. He did that thing that you do with little kids where you start to tickle them yeah. to kick them out of that mindset. Yeah. And I just feel like that's such a weird universal thing. Yeah. Like we're, we're just good. This is, it's like changing the subject with the kid. <laughs> exactly. You're physically changing the subject. Yep. Yeah. I just thought that was fascinating because that's such a, that crosses cultures too, mm-hmm. you know? So... Back to talking about Michelle and it being her favorite thing to do. She said that she skated at home as a young kid. And she got as she got older, she ended up spending every weekend at the roller rink. Um, and oh, and it's so cute. You know how I, you know I fucking love Johanna, right? Johanna's my girl. <laughs> and she's like sitting like in her little spot on the bus. And she says, Daddy, I can scape. I can scape. Yeah, that was such <laughs> a good. With a P. I was like, mm-hmm. I'll scape. <laughs> so now they're pulling up to... Uh, skate place, skate as place. it's called, uh, and then but it, it says Great Day or Great Day or something like that. Mm. Great Day Skate Place. So I can't tell if it's called Great Day Skate Place or right. I don't know, whatever. But um, ours was Great Skate. Yeah, well, Great Skate is like right around the corner from mm-hmm. us. Rest in peace, Rolero, though. Ooh, Rolero was in the in the part of town where I first started growing up. And uh, it was a little rough. There was like a big fire years ago, and yeah, it like it's completely gone now. torched. Yep. yep. 
But yeah, great skate or Rolero. So that should be a fun thing. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll ask in a like in stories like, what was the name? What's the name of your local roller rink? Right. <laughs> All the good names. We should go skating. We should. Yeah. I have skates. I bought myself skates, yep. and I had this big idea that I was gonna be the most I've done. <laughs> is like in our driveway when there's like nobody around but now yep. i feel like people are always around so for a while she was just skating like in the house up and down the hallway mm-hmm. it was funny yeah but i just <laughs> and like because i go from our bedroom to the laundry room because it's just like across our house is one long shot so kind i was just lot, like yeah. but i was like, i can do that real good <laughs> so anyways i just continue to love johanna because once they get inside lego is trying to figure out her shoe size and he says what's your shoe size johanna and she says, my feet is little. <laughs> yep. Fucking love that kid. And then as Jill is putting on her skates, she excitedly asks, where do we skate? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, she's just hitting it left and right. And I'm like, damn, Johanna, stealing it from Jason. <laughs> so we're just kind of watching them skate for a bit. And Jessa says that unless her dad makes her skate, she's not going to. And then Famey shows up with Famey cake going and fame. Yep. With cake and balloons. We haven't seen her in what, like three, four episodes? I don't know. Ever since their double date with mm. the processing baby, <laughs> we haven't seen the 144 shrimp by Chad Mike. Oh, my God. Um, We haven't seen her. So I'm sure she was fucking chomping to get some camera time and was yep. eager beaver to bring a cake and balloons. She's like, I'll fucking bring the cake. I'll be there. Yep. There was a point with Jessa, like right before that, where... They were talking to her about the fact that she wasn't skating. And she said a line that I felt like carries so many layers. So she she was explaining, oh, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't really think I want to. Um, she was like, I used to skate a lot when I was a kid. And in my head, I'm like, and now you're a mom. Like <laughs> yeah, the- <laughs> they were she was done skating by six. They pretty much get buddied up by six. So she was like, I had to put that behind me. Yep. You know, turned six, it was all over. Yep. She had to grow up. <laughs> One of the ongoing things through this episode that goes from the beginning until the end is you can tell that Jason does, doesn't does really know how to skate. Like, he doesn't feel super comfortable. But they keep showing these little clips of him, like, figuring it out. Yeah. I, I will say, up to this point, Jason has not been a character. And I say character as in, like... Who have they been giving camera time, basically, right? Right. Jason has not been... He's lost in a sea of boys. It's the Lost Boys. So this mm-hmm. is the first time we're really getting to see him. And um, he's kind of cute. He's being kind of cute this he's episode. He's endearing. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to watch a little bit more. Yeah. But um, I'm like, okay, he's kind of cute. Like, he's... he's like, he he's figured out kid. that you could you could point your foot forward. And it, he was like, oh, okay. When you... uh. If you want to stop, you just do this, and then he like fell, and yeah. he was like, <laughs> "I got a what did I wrote? I wrote it down." <laughs> yeah, so it's like that he's figuring out the stopper because you know you have you have that mm-hmm. front little break. Yeah, and he says, "Oh, that's cool. So if you're about to fall, it'll stop you." <laughs> and then in <laughs> yeah. trying to show that off to the camera, he, he fall. completely falls, like biffs it to the ground. Yeah, and he follows it up with, "But you don't want to do that." <laughs> And it's like you can tell he's like a little embarrassed, mm-hmm. but it's that very cute little kid thing where you're trying to seem kind of in control of the situation, even though you're embarrassed and you're just yeah. trying to talk your way through the embarrassment. Like it was cute. Mm-hmm. He was like, wait, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And he like quickly stands up. <laughs> Leading into the next part that I feel like the theme is it's awful to skate in a floor length tablecloth. 
Yes. <laughs> heavy, heavy tablecloth at that. That's the theme. Um, so Michelle's putting on her scapes. I'm just going to call them scapes now. <laughs> They're no longer scapes. And she says, quote, the thought of falling does not appeal to me at this place in my life. I just really, really, really don't want to fall. Yeah. I want to have fun, but I don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. But man, that dumb bitch is good. <laughs> she's good. She oh, gets yeah. out there. She's like speed skating she's style. She's going backwards. And I don't know what you call it, but it's when you're like crossing over your own legs and going mm -hmm. backwards, like whatever the fuck you call that. But yeah. it's like the crossover thing. Um, but damn, that bitch is good. Yeah. Like it kind of pisses me off. I'm like, what a fucking waste, man. <laughs> and, um, so it's like, yeah, I have my skates, but it's like this dumb bitch is out here like killing it. And I was excited. I could go from our fucking bedroom to the laundry room. <laughs> we'll get you there. Did you skate as a kid? I did. Um, there skate? was a short, it, there was a escape. There was a short amount of time where we went to Rolero a lot when I was in school. Um, and then, so it was a little bit there, like roller skate style. And then I remember I got roller blades, um, and I had roller blades. For, I used to roller blade a lot. So and I then, and then right after that um, is actually when I started skateboarding because I got a skateboard for skateboarding, Christmas. Skateboarding, yeah. So then I, <laughs> so then I became a cool like skater kid, um, and I didn't really roller blade anymore. I always had like the hand me down like um, scapes. And I remember I would do the tiniest little like things on our driveway. And then I had it convinced that I had like a whole show ready and I'd like want to get my older sisters. I'd be like, come watch it. And I would like go from one end to the other and like turn once. And then I was like, here I am. But, and then I begged my dad for roller blades. Mm -hmm. and he finally took me to DI, my favorite thrift store to this day, and um, got me a pair of roller blades that had Timon and Pumbaa stickers all over them from their previous owner. Fascinating. But, um, yeah, so it's like you can go fast on rollerblades, but there's something about scapes that's yeah. just like classic. Agree. Okay, so Michelle says that she pretty much hasn't skated in forever because she's always pregnant. <laughs> yep. We know. Yep. We know, Michelle. Um, she's always pregnant. She's always got, and like, so like, she's doing this in her breastfeeding phase. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just the pregnancy that, uh, you know, it's bring right. her down but she's always fucking pregnant mm -hmm. or newly given birth this is probably the longest she's gone in a long time yeah so jessa and grandma mary are the only ones sitting it out but Famie is trying to get jessa to join in Famie going fame mm -hmm. so jessa says grandma do you want to skate and grandma Escape. looks at Famie and says you're gonna have to hold me up so in a talking she does not want to do this <laughs> But I give her a lot of credit, man. Mm -hmm. So in a talking head, Joy calls Famey a great motivator. Mm, so good. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. And she says getting Jessa and Grandma to skate, which she didn't think would happen. Mm -hmm. So the producer then asks Joy, what is it about Amy that she can do that? She can do that? <laughs> and Joy says, she's just loud. <laughs> which I found funny. It's not oh, yeah. really being motivator. She's fucking annoying is what she's saying. And Joy seems to have hardcore RBF. Yeah. Like, so it's funny when they ask to start asking her things because she already looks like that. So when she says something that matches the energy, it's so good. Dude, she might as well have said Amy's fucking annoying. But she was just <laughs> like, she's just like. loud. And I'm like, yeah, we know. Oh, man. <laughs> So Grandma and Jessa get their skates on, and right out of the gate, Grandma can't stand up, 
And she just kind of like slink rolls off the mm-hmm. bench. Like they're holding her arms on like each side. Like her legs kept moving. Yeah. And like, else was moving. like she didn't like she didn't like lock her knees and like stand up and like lock her knees. Like she just yeah. like rolls, yeah. slinks off this bench. Yeah. And they end up having to like pick her up. But I give that woman a lot of credit. She's mm-hmm. older and she's just like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Yep. I'm all for it. Yep. So the pr- producer asked Michelle if she thinks Jessa and Grandma were happy that they ended up getting out there. <laughs> And she, like, hymns and haws and is like, um, I don't know. I think they probably, it probably made Amy happy. <laughs> I know. There seems to be a lot of famey shade in this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. So then some friends from church and music and places like that, they end up showing up for the party. And one little boy, it's also his birthday. Jason says, quote, it's his birthday, too. We're born on the same exact day. I don't know about the same um, hour, but it's his birthday, too. (laughs) He's kind of all, like, excited about it, and it's kind of cute. And then this other little boy hands him an all-folded-up little birthday card that he made for him. Mm -hmm. And it's sweet. So it's, like, it's its own birthday, too, but he made sure to bring something for his friend. And I'm like, I will forever get sentimental over cards. (laughs) <laughs> and then I will get extra sentimental over like cards and kids and like drawings because it's yep. like, it's all they have to give you. You know, mm-hmm. like when a little kid is like, that's all they have. Mm-hmm. Like my sister sent me text the other day. And I'm going to fucking tear up now. Um, My nephew, his little friend, like his dog died. And so like my, my nephew was coloring him a card the other day and was like, mm-hmm. I want to make him a card because he's sad. And like his dog, and I'm like, oh my God. I mean, like getting yep. a card from a kid is everything. Yep. <laughs> Didn't he, didn't he put it where it said, like, I'm sorry your dog did? <laughs> yeah, the way he's in kindergarten. So it's like, sorry your dog did. Sorry your dog did. <laughs> I should put it in visuals. Sorry your good. dog did. Oh, so cute. But the though. sentiment. Oh, oh man. Oh, adorable. We've always said that that kid feels the feels. Oh, like, yeah. He's my such nephew, like a he's just like, empathetic soul. Dude, he's just like, he's the sweet, like, he... He's like me, where he feels all the feels, and he feels them so deeply. Like, he tells me, <laughs> like, she was texting me around Christmas, because we know I love Christmas, and he would say that, like, it just, Christmas just makes him so happy in his heart, and, like, you know, I'm like, this kid understands me! So, so yeah, he's a little sweetie pie. So, um, oh, yeah, oh, totally, just talking about Christmas now, off, uh, kind of on topic, mm-hmm. but that same nephew... One year, he gave us a painting of Rudolph that he did. And Rudolph looks like he got in a fight and has, like, a bloody nose. Because the red ran. Because it's, like, yeah, ran. On his nose. But um, I was just like, oh, my God. And, like, yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> stuff like that that you'll always be, like, it's the sweetest thing. Because, like, mm-hmm. they made this thing in school or whatever. And then right. they decided to give it to you. Like, yep. You know? I remember, you remember, like, the like the little school stores that would, like, pop up? Yes. Elsa, the was 17-year-old that matches birthdays with Mildred according to the USPS. Yes, her she turned 18 last week. Yep. Um I know, so did Mildred. <laughs> um I remember she went to that store when she was really little and she got me a keychain that was a heart that had a glitter back it. and it said number 1 uncle. I forgot about this. Oh and my god. And I put it on my keychain for a long time. And the actual keychain itself is fine, but the little thing that attached it to the ring kind of like snapped. Um, I still have that in my car. Oh my god, that's I totally forgot about that. That's yep. so sweet. I still have it in my car because I was like, this little kid went to the store and was like, 
I have a number one uncle. <laughs> Thanks, Elsa. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't think she'll mind because we're talking about kids and gifts and cards and stuff. I don't think she'll mind. <laughs> uh, friend of the pod, listener Jen. Uh, she actually just recently showed sent a picture of a card that her stepson gave her when he was younger. He's older now. But he gave her a card that said it was like Mother's Day. And I think it said, like, you're a great mother. And in parentheses, it said so far. (laughs) (laughs) I love that shit because kids are so honest. And I'm like, and that came from like a place of positivity. Mm -hmm. But it's hilarious. It's true. I love love kids, man. They're (laughs) hilarious. That's like the Simpsons movie. This is the worst day of my life. And Homer goes, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. The worst day of your life so So far. far. (laughs) Yep. So anyways, so this kid brings him a card on mm-hmm. the same birthday. That's where we left off. So then we end up seeing them do a race and like limbo and just all of those other kind of like It's such a vibe. group activities. And there's like the dude that works at the roller rink. He's like emceeing, you know. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. We're going to do the limbo. Oh yeah, it's so funny. So Joseph won the race and Josiah won the limbo. So our buddy Josiah, he can get down with the get down. Yep. Then it's cake time. So they sing, but it's not your traditional happy birthday song. I had no idea. Me? Well, I mean, I don't know that song until the show. Mm. Because, you know, they will take any opportunity they can to, you know, prove that they're different from everyone else. Right? (laughs) Like they just have to. So I'd never heard it in my life, but apparently it's common in Christian circles and like things that they'll sing at church here or whatever. Right. It's because it has the line and each quote, and each day of the year, may you feel Jesus near. And then it's like, yeah, I didn't write out the whole song, but just like that main thing. But it's totally different from your average happy birthday. Um, And it just raised a teeny tiny little question within myself. Like, ultimately, I don't give a shit what you decide to sing for a birthday i don't care do whatever the hell you want i don't give a shit but it just made me wonder if it's kind of one of those teeny little micro things that are inside their kids now that okay one of those things that makes you feel different Mm -hmm. or that you just notice not even necessarily that you're judging or think that that thing is good or bad but just Mm. when they hear like the regular happy birthday song do they go like oh, that's not what we sing. Or right. like, oh, that one doesn't talk about Jesus. Even if they don't think about the Jesus part, they're just like, oh, is that, is that, that's not what we sing. Kind of like how I think of when my, um, when one of my sister, my second oldest sister, when she was little, my mom talks about being in the grocery store and, you know, Mormons don't drink coffee, right? And they're in the store and my sister loudly says to my mom, like a lady in front of them at the checkout mm. that has coffee. My sister was like, mom, that lady drinks coffee. And my mom was like mortified, right? But I'm yeah. like, is this kind of like that? Where even if the kid doesn't think you're bad, but my sister may have thought, ooh, they're bad because you're taught not to drink it. But even if it's not that extreme, do they go like, oh, they that's like the regular birthday song. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I just wonder if it sticks out to them in any kind mm-hmm. of way. This whole scene was very like kid at a birthday party adjacent. And there's like... Adjacent? It's Jason's <laughs> birthday. It's pretty good. There's a there's a certain nostalgia that I think people of a certain ages have for roller rink or pizza place birthday parties. Yeah. Like there's an inherent nostalgia. And I think when you look at things like Five Nights at Freddy's, like they play on the fact that like, oh, the demographic that's going to be playing this 
has positive nostalgia. So if you make it creepy, it works even harder, you know. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting. There's like a whole swath of generations that are like nostalgic for the the birthday party at a place. At like a that. place, yeah. It's kind of a it's a dying thing, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. So somebody shit the bed, and they don't have candles for the cake. <laughs> That's true. So I'm gonna blame Lego because you know the women are always taking the blame for everything. Well, you know, Jana should have remembered. Yeah, I know. Uh, candles, damn it. Uh, you know. He's not going to blame Famey because it's not one of his own. But like, right. damn it, Jana. So, yeah, but I'm going to say it's Lego's fault. So they they don't have candles, but they end up singing, you know, they sing the song and move mm-hmm. on. And the episode ends back at the Tater Top Mansion with Joy and Jason. They're tying up all the balloons together that Amy brought with the cake mm-hmm. at like at their ends and then connecting them all like into one long string of balloons. Right. Um, and so in a talking head, Michelle says that she didn't know why her gift wrapping ribbon had been kind of wadded up and shoved back in the cabinet. Yep. But she said she didn't know until after seeing the edit of the show. She's like, the mystery was solved. And that's because they tied that string of balloons to the end of the spool of ribbon. Mm-hmm. And then they were unwinding it outside to let the balloons go super high, mm-hmm. like up into the sky. And then they like reeled them back in. Yeah. So then when they reeled it back in, it was kind of like messy and they shoved it back into mm-hmm. the cabinet. But I think it's funny. I'm like, she just had no idea that her kids were outside. <laughs> like, you know, those things that you find out later on because mm-hmm. Jill wasn't watching them or like. <laughs> I also feel like getting these little like intimate visions of like moments of your children that you don't get to see as a pair, I think is cool. Yeah. That she was able to like, oh, like watch them kind of like play together and figure it out and tie them together. And... It looks fun though. I would have so yeah. been into that. Like mm-hmm. they did. They let them go really high. Yep. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So it's, it was, there was a lot of endearing child moments in this episode. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to watch Jason a little bit. When does he stay cute? Does he, right. does it end? Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah. It we, was a good episode. We saw Josiah, you know, like largely he, you know, he was, he was carrying everything for a while, but now we're starting to, they're starting to let in some of the other boys. Yeah. So their agents did the good work. Yeah. 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 They're but. like season two, you know, they're like, this is the end of season two. We've had enough of this. Them not getting camera time. We need to fix this for season three. Yeah, so. exactly. So it was a good episode. Good endearing episode for the most part. So. Yeah. Nothing well, heavy. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. So Mildred left, and I think she thinks this is the end of the episode and that there's no deep dive this week. Because she wasn't there to She help wasn't you there with the to do it with it. So she watched the episode with me. She watched the episode with Tim. Mm. But I deep dived with a dog. She doesn't know. Shh. But, so this uh, is a dog dive. There you go. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how the poodle did. But... Mildred thinks we're done. She doesn't understand why we're not in the living room right now. And <laughs> or eating. Yeah, she doesn't understand. Okay, so for today, I'm just going to kind of jump in, and then you, you'll you see where it goes. Okay. So just about a month ago, there was quite a bit of buzz surrounding two particular commercials that aired during the Super Bowl. Okay. Sorry, big game. Big game. The big game. <laughs> we don't want to get sued. <laughs> so these commercials were part of the He Gets Us campaign. Which I will describe more in a minute, but it centers around Jesus. Okay. It garnered some funny reaction, like tweets, such as, did I just see an ad for Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> or, wow, Jesus has a big marketing budget, and things like that. 
So that's because between one 30-second commercial and then another 60-second one, the campaign spent over $20 million. Damn. Because it's $7 million per 30 seconds. So it's like $21 million. Nuts. So let's get into the campaign a little bit more. So while the big game was certainly the biggest and most expensive stage it had, with it, you know, getting it a lot of attention, the camp- campaign wasn't brand new. After some small market testing back in 2021, the campaign launched nationwide in March of 2022, so a full year prior. Mm-hmm. I remember com- seeing a billboard. Yeah, yeah. Is what I first saw on my drive home from work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, the commercials were in other sporting events and then some of the bigger award shows uh, online ads with a huge presence on YouTube and, of course, good old-fashioned billboards, like Tim mm-hmm. was saying. When you go to the campaign's website, it describes itself as a, quote, a movement to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible and his confounding love and forgiveness. It later also states, quote, we look at the biography of Jesus through the modern lens to find new relevance and often overlooked moments and themes from his life. So while they say the whole campaign is to see Jesus through a modern lens, my two absolutely favorite commercials of the bunch, I feel, really highlight the attempt that they're making here. Okay. I haven't seen these, by the way. You haven't? I know they were a thing. I saw some memes related to it. Um, I saw some people on Twitter that were that were asking about it or making comments about it, but I didn't. I did not see them myself. So let me fill you in on my top two. Ooh, okay. <laughs> in my first favorite, the commercial, which these are done like mainly in black and white for like you know dramatic effect. Of like course. of course, obviously, it's more emotional that way. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they do have videos, but a lot of them are like still black and white stills, Mm -hmm. pictures and whatever. So this one describes an influencer that has a lot of followers that stood up for something he believed in. He was called an extremist. Oh, and they title these too. So this one is called The Influencer. Okay. Oh, okay. So this influencer stands up for something he believes in. He was called an extremist and people wanted to shut him up. So, quote, they did what they had to do. They nailed him to a cross. Then on the screen it reads, Jesus was canceled. He gets us. All of us. Hold on. The reaction they're expecting to get is me going, chills. Absolute (laughs) chills. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we have Jesus as an influencer. So I just imagine like, hey guys, just wanted to hop on here real quick. Yo, it's your boy, JC. (laughs) Just wanted to let you know that if you use use my code, instead of getting five loaves of bread, you'll get a thousand loaves of bread. Like, (laughs) you know, like they've got like Jesus as this like like influencer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And not just an influencer, a a canceled influencer at that. Of course. Is what they're calling, you know. Um, Don't forget to nail that subscribe button. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I know you don't know who she is, but... It's a whole thing. So this girl, Brittany Dawn, she was a fitness like influencer turned scammer. As soon oh, as the whole God. scam thing was falling to the ground, suddenly she's a Christian influencer. It's this whole oh. fucking thing. She's literally in court right now. Like it's a whole wow. fucking thing. But she literally sells you can't cancel me stickers. Uh. But but I was like, you know, I'm watching this commercial and I'm like, WWJD, what would Jesus do? He would get canceled. <laughs> so I'm like expecting her to switch 
her mm. her stickers any moment now because what is more Jesus like than yeah. getting canceled according to this campaign? Yeah. He gets us, all of us. Yeah. There's a clip of Jordan Klepper, if you know who that is, um, interviewing people. And he interviews this woman and she was like, oh, you might know me from the internet. I'm the most canceled woman on the internet. And he was like, okay. And then later on, she's like, well, I have a book that I just released. And he goes, okay, so as a canceled author, where's your book available? And she's like, well, I mean, you can get it on Amazon. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. Kind of- <laughs> yeah. I just think it's funny. It's like, if you, now they're going to be like, oh, shit, it, I'm supposed to be canceled. Because then I'm like, Jesus, you know. <laughs> so the next one, though, I mean, as good as that one was, this next That's one's my favorite. That's real good. <laughs> we'll see what your favorite of the two is. This next one, I just think it... Anyway, so it, it's, again, a series of black and white still photos. And it tells us the story of a young girl who got pregnant. Her parents assumed the father was her boyfriend, but it wasn't. But her boyfriend, he offered to help raise the child with her anyway. Was it Jesus? Stop spoiling. Damn it. They marry, and he helps her deliver the baby. And at the end, with the words on the screen, it says, Jesus was born to a teen mom. He gets us. (laughs) All of us. I must have missed that episode of 16 and Pregnant, I gotta tell (laughs) you. So it's like, um, down the road, instead of getting like our iconic line from babs uh the i seen you with kifa um mm. do you think maybe instead we get mary's mom saying like well mary i seen you with joseph <laughs> that's <laughs> God, pretty good i feel your like voice was pretty good too that weird that lisp the whole time i was like watching this i was like this is like they like trying to like modernize like teen mom in 16 right <laughs> jesus oh, was goodness. born to a teen mom <laughs> Anywho, all back to it I felt like those two favorites were a good hi- way to like highlight the whole through a modern lens description. Mm. Which one? Which one was your favorite? Teen Mom or Influencer? Definitely the Influencer. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm... I just think of Teen Mom, so I was cracking up because the whole time I was watching it, I'm thinking of Babs. Of course. So. Yeah. All right. So they also say on their website to quote, "Be assured that we are not left or right." At a, and at another point. They say, and though you may see religious people as often hypocritical or judgmental, know that Jesus saw that too and didn't like it either. So this camp- That doesn't make it any better. I know. So this campaign originally launched with an original budget of $100 million, but has since grown with the plan of a billion dollars over the course of three years. So now it's funny to say that they're neither right nor left or affiliated with any kind of denomination they keep saying like we're not a religious and we're not affiliated with any specific thing but it is kind of funny because the campaign is actually being criticized from all sides mm-hmm. <laughs> left right center whatever yep um the side i firmly land on personally is what else could you do with 20 million dollars instead of 90 seconds of a tv slot mm-hmm. what else could you do with 100 million or a yep. projected billion dollars yep what are some actual, tangible, and useful things you could do to help humankind, even still through the jet, the lens of, like, e- the example of Jesus? It's, it's st- fine, go ahead, use your example. But what is something you could actually do to help people? <laughs> and if their, what would their idea of what, G- of who this Jesus person was, 
what would he do if he had that kind of marketing budget? Right. Probably not put a commercial on TV. Yeah, I feel like there's a whole lot more you could do than fucking billboards and YouTube ads. <laughs> so on the other side of criticism, um, which is another huge side of it, then there's the side that thinks that it's pandering to liberals and it's too woke. Um, people who think that it's reimagining Jesus, twisting scripture, or in its effort to try to make Jesus relatable, uh, you know, it's kind of, again, like, remember that episode where I was like, it's like, you know, celebrities are just like us. They, they're doing this whole, like, Jesus, he's just like us. Yeah. Um, they're like, in trying to make Jesus relatable, people are saying that they're, you know, they're, he, they're making, he's no longer like a divine figure is what they're saying. Right. You're just making him a normal person. Um, they've turned it into Jesus losing his Instagram fam, you know, following basically. <laughs> Um, so that's some of the criticism in a nutshell. Now let's get into who's behind this campaign. Mm. It's run by the Servant Foundation, which is funded by the Signatory. And then they use Haven as their marketing firm. I know I just rattled off some things, but they all have a reason. Mm. Another part of the criticism, though, is that, of course, there's this message, supposed message of acceptance, inclusiveness, love, you know, Mm. all this stuff in the campaign touts. While the marketing firm Haven developed ads for Focus on the Family and the Alliance mm. Defense Fund, which both actively work against the rights of the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. community. Because if there's anything about Jesus, it wasn't that he was accepting. Of course Come not. On. So we're he gets, <laughs> it should be he gets most of us. Some of us. He gets not even most. <laughs> he gets he gets us, most of us, some of us. I don't know. Except these group and this group yeah. and this group and this group and this group. But, but the rest of you are good. But he oh, gets so, us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, basically. There should be emphasis on us. us. <laughs> so the branding Jesus is loving and accepting and sending this supposed message of unity while on the backside they're working to fund and campaign for the opposite. So Color not at all surprising. Yeah, I was just like, I'm like, not at all surprising. Um, I feel like we're kind of used to it and expected at this point, unfortunately, but yeah. it, it garners criticism nonetheless, to yep. be, you know, whatever. So then there's the signature, the funding behind it all. So the signature is a donor advised fund, which is a simple, just like in simple terms, it's kind of like a charitable checking or like savings account that corporations okay. and things can have. Mm-hmm. So they put in however much money, however often they want to, yada, yada. And then they just say who that they want, what charities they want their money to go funded towards. Correct. And it ends up just being like the quickest way for them to do that at the most maximized deductions, of course, for taxes. (laughs) But so it's just... Like Jesus would do. Exactly. (laughs) So um, anyways, the Signature is a donor advised fund with the purpose of, quote... Connecting God's wealth with God's workers. Oh my goodness! Which makes that's cringy to me. It's like some of us have the some of us wealth, and some of you do the work. That's kind of what it feels mm. like. It's just kind of weird wording. Don't a lot of their scriptures preach like humility and like would, not having showy amounts of money that you could call wealth? Yeah, right. <laughs> wasn't wasn't the real like wealth like God's love or something? Remember the real treasure when they were going for the. <laughs> The little when they were hunting for their little gem diamond mm-hmm. things, it was like the real treasure in life. Yep. So Jason Vanderground, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, president of Haven, the marketing firm, 
um, said that the signatory donors of the He Gets Us campaign, they wanted to remain anonymous because they don't want to distract from the messaging. Color me surprised. Which has been mostly true, except for one donor, and that donor is David Green, founder and CEO of Hobby Lobby. <laughs> so David Green announced his family uh, as backers for this campa- campaign when he was a guest on the Glenn Beck Show in November of 2022. Okay. So that was a long way for me to get to today's deep dive. <laughs> oh my god, I I'm thought sorry. we were in the I deep know, dive. I know, I'm so sorry. Um, today's deep dive is actually dipping our toe into hobby. Are, do you want to shoot yourself right now? Do you want? No, it's just funny. I thought that was it. Like you had me in the first half. I'm really sorry. So today, <laughs> it's we're actually talking about Hobby Lobby, the Green family, and just some of the ways that they spend their time, money, and resources. Okay. I'm sorry. This is only the opener, and it got me so far down a rabbit hole. I spent two hours, and I'm like, this is just supposed to be the opener. So anyways, um, I knew if I got into it any further that I would stray too far away from what I was really trying to do today. Okay. So, But it did actually inspire two future deep dive, like, oh, or um, a future deep dive down mm. the road that I really want to do because I think it will lead to a really interesting conversation about religious marketing and branding. So stay tuned for the future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm really sorry that that was so long, but I couldn't help it. I felt like if I cut it out, (laughs) it was just sorry. It was, it is interesting though. I actually watched and read a couple articles on, on those specific marketing commercials and, you know, it's a fascinating story. I'm very excited. But did you see how I was trying to take like a current thing to weave back into why we were talking about the Green family, but yep. then it just kind of kept going and yep. I could have kept going more. So this was restraint on my end. Okay. All right. So Hobby Lobby. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Do you just, are you so annoyed right now? No, okay. keep going. Okay. So as I mentioned, David Green is the founder and CEO of Hobby Lobby. And David was one of six children born to Marie and Walter Green. Marie had grown up the daughter of a preacher and then her husband, Walter, also became one. Okay. So Walter was a Pentecostal preacher of various, very small congregations over the years. So we're talking like 35 to 50 people. Oh, okay. So like the Bates and Duggars got together sized <laughs> congregations is Damn. what we're looking at. So the family was very poor as they relied on donations from these small congregations to get by. They end up recalling that there were times where they ended up going in t- weeks at a time without being able to eat any meat. And this entire family of eight lived in a one-bedroom home. The three girls slept in the bedroom. The three boys slept in the kitchen. Oh, my. And Walter and Marie in the living room. Okay. Like, the parents should sleep in the fucking kitchen. <laughs> Put your kids in the living room, you know? <laughs> so religion was such a huge part of their upbringing that both of David's brothers became pastors, and all three of his sisters married pastors. Damn. There is a type. (laughs) David, however, he enjoyed the world of retail. He first started working as a stock boy, which is where he ended up meeting his wife, Barbara, and then joining the Air Force Reserves for a very brief period of time because he did that in an effort to try to snag management roles. Um, and it, huh. it, and it, it, it worked <laughs> because he ended up becoming the youngest manager in the country for the TG&Y chain of stores. Is that the yogurt place? No. Oh. Oh, are it? you joking? Were you making a joke? Is that TB&Y? What was that yogurt place? I, have that no was... I know what you're talking about, but I don't. I never went to it. We don't have them here, so I don't know. 
I think there was like one in the East Valley that I went to on like a marching band trip. I legit thought you were talking about like the yogurt place. And I was like, cool, he's working in yogurt. No, it's like a five and dime, like a little discount store okay. type thing. They didn't have them here, I don't think. If you guys know that yogurt place I'm talking about, please let me know. <laughs> I'm sure you can consult the Google after the episode. <laughs> so with the family's focus clearly being on ministry, his mother Marie was not impressed. When David called to share with her this accomplishment of being the youngest manager in the country, um, she apparently said, quote, oh, yeah, what are you doing for the Lord? Damn. Yeah. Mildred's here. How does she, she knows that there's a deep dive happening. She just showed up. She says, you wouldn't happen to be diving, would you? She's like, this man, this is a really long episode recap. <laughs> uh, okay, so his mom says that. So this makes him feel like the black sheep of the family, which is his own words. So we can clearly see the family expectations and dynamics, I think, pretty clearly. And then in 1970, while still working for TG&Y, or that yogurt place, I guess, um, David, then age 29, and his wife Barbara begin making small picture frames in their home after Barbara noticed a growing trend of small frame groupings for, like, home decor. What would turn into a gallery wall? <laughs> Basically, yes. Um, so they, they borrowed $600 to get started, which Bill Gothard would not approve of. He does mm. not approve of loans. Mm. Just saying. And they did this work out of their home with Barbara making the parts and then paying their two older sons seven cents a frame to assemble them. 50, uh, 54 cents in today's market. Okay. So at first they sold their frames to other companies but by 1972 they opened their first store in a tiny 300 square foot space damn but by 1975 though they opened a second store that was a whopping 6,000 square feet holy cow but the funny part is when i uh, <laughs> when i read that i realized at that moment how much duggar has infiltrated my whole brain and being because I now realize that I measure square footage by Legolands. Like, because the Tater Top Mansion is 7,000 square feet. Okay. So when I read that, I was like, huh, still smaller than the than the Tater Top Mansion, you know? <laughs> That's your frame of reference. <laughs> it's kind of like when I was like 18, 19, I judged money by equating it to Jack in the Box tacos. Mm, yeah. So it's like I'd fill up my gas tank and it'd be like $25. I'd be like, fuck, I could have gotten 50 tacos for that. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like this is like the adult version mm -hmm. of that. So they've um, really infiltrated my psyche when I'm comparing square footage to... Yeah. Yeah. Any hoozle. So this new 6,000 square foot space wasn't just full of frames anymore because they began to expand their product offerings. And it was also at this time that he quit his job... With the yogurt shop. TG and White. It's not really the yogurt shop, to be clear, a store. So Barbara was not down with it at first, which I can relate to that nervous wife energy. I get it. Um, but the brand continued to expand. Mm -hmm. And they were able to overcome a dip in the mid-80s, but by all accounts, Hobby Lobby is now considered to be an empire. Mm -hmm. Sells home goods such as candles. But as we saw, that birthday cake one was not 60% off. <laughs> um, they also sell garden balls you can fashion into janky-ass bathroom disco balls. <laughs> Home decor, seasonal items, except Halloween. Duh. Please no. 
um, craft supplies, and it's also the land of the signage. Um, if you need to be reminded to live, laugh, love, Hobby Lobby's got you. Or eat. Yes. In the dining room. If you walk into your kitchen and you can't remember what you're supposed to do next, they got you covered. They'll remind you to eat. Wash in the laundry room. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, feast above your dining room table. Mm-hmm. Gather in the mm-hmm. living room. Yep. 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 Definitely, Hobby Lobby has you covered on all the signage fronts. They so will... you can remember the appropriate verbs per room. Yeah, you just look around and you remember exactly what you were in that room for. <laughs> I'm here, I gather, here I eat, there I live, laugh, and love over there in the corner. <laughs> That's the live, laugh, love corner. That's it. <laughs> so all three of David's children work in the business. Steve is, so his son Steve, he's now the president. His daughter Darcy is the vice president. And his son Mart, he actually operates an expansion of the company, which is Mardell Christian Stores. Oh. so His name is Mart? Yes, Mart. Like not M-A-R-T? Everything I said saw said Mart. So if he he says something dumb, you look at him, you go, K-Mart. Boom, boom. There you go. And he'll be offended. He'll be like, no. Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> so skipping ahead to today, Hobby Lobby has 969 stores in 47 states. And as of the time of me doing this research on Forbes real-time net worth section of their website, it's listed at being worth $14.9 billion, Okay. Which is why Forbes refers to David Green as the biblical billionaire. It's a lot of uh, a lot of signage. <laughs> yes, um, I will say though it's funny to like when I was reading other old articles that are five years, nine years old back then, and I say only with air quotes right now. <laughs> but it was like he was only worth three billion, and then five billion. Like right. he got to fourteen billion. Like it's just crazy. Like mm-hmm. it's real. Like every year he's like raking it. He's like doubling almost every year. It's right. Nuts. So now that we've covered the family and the company history, um, now let's jump, jump into how religion has worked its way into the company itself. Okay. David seems to have really taken his mother's criticism to heart and admits he does not separate religion from his work, mm. saying, quote, I don't care if you're in business or out of business. God owns it. How do I separate it? Well, it's God's in church and mine here. And that's like question mark. Um, I have a purpose in church, but I don't have a purpose here. You can't have a belief system on Sunday and not live it the other six days. How do you feel about that statement? Only because much like a lot of things that we've seen with the Duggars, like that's not a that idea is not wrong. Because if you, because I just think back to like my upbringing in growing up Catholic, and there was people that I knew the families of those kids, and I'm like, your kids are kind of doing some like trashy things, but then on Sunday they're there at church sitting in the first two rows. You know what I mean? I I definitely agree on that front. Like mm-hmm. I was that I was looked at as like the shitty kid because I wasn't a Molly Mormon kid. And right. there was the other kids around me that seemed that way and they were doing worse things outside of mm-hmm. church than me. So I get it on that front, but on him it's he's making it seem to me and which you'll kind of see as we get deeper into it. He's making it seem as if you, if you don't make it the center of your work. Yep. Like that's 
it doesn't have to be the center of your work as long as you're actually just living your life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's also it, exceptionalism. Like yeah. he's putting himself on a pedestal. Exactly. Yep. Like if it, so it's always that little bit, there's tiny truth and then you take it to the sixth stream. Yep. Like, yeah, don't Very be a fucking so. hit a hypocrite six days out of the week. But mm-hmm. also it doesn't have to be the end all be all and then forcing it on other people, which is what we'll get into. Yep. So even today, when you go to the Hobby Lobby website under a section they have that like says their commitments it states quote honoring the lord and all we do by operating the company in a manner consistent with biblical principles so they are well known for being closed on sundays to give their employees the opportunity to worship Mm -hmm. but they were kind of late to that game actually chick-fil-a had been doing it since the beginning and uh mr david green here he he only started doing it in phases one store at a time starting in 1998 and completing it the rollout in 1999. Weird. Um it's like does he even do anything for the Lord? I mean it took you 23 years. God. I I will say I think the fact that Sundays were his biggest revenue days may have played a little part into it. Oh, did it? <laughs> So the company has its own chaplains and it has a company organized Bible study, which are just a couple of examples of some of the more voluntary things. Mm-hmm. But each store and office is sent a weekly devotional. And then the employee handbook has several biblical references throughout. And each staff meeting begins with a prayer. <laughs> Employees also sign agreements to not sue the company but to instead privately attend religious or secular mediation. Which is why their reputation has not been as tarnished as it could be of course. by employee type situations. Mm-hmm. So we do see these things pop up, but we never hear anything more about them. Right. Um, and so it's not to say that mediation and settlements aren't common with large co- corporate corporations, because they absolutely are. That's very, very mm-hmm. common. But I just thought it was interesting to note, especially with their like religious mediation or, or secular, but they're like yeah. a religious mediation. They're doing it to hide shit. Yeah. They're not doing it. Yeah. Um, so these just kind of give you a vibe for some of the religious incorporations, like, you know, like being as a, an employee mm-hmm. there. So now let's get into how they spend all that damn money. Mm. Hobby Lobby donates half of their pre-tax earnings to charities and ministries. But they they don't just give it out, though, to just anybody. Okay. Oh, and by the way, I didn't write it down, but, like, they don't specifically ever say what that number is, of course. So, oh, yeah. like, according to Forbes at the time that I was reading it, they're like, it's upwards of $500 million. Mm-hmm. But um, back in 2021, Stephen Green, remember son who is now yep. president said that they get about 300 requests a month from different ministries and whatever charities whatever it is right but not even quite one in ten will pass to even be considered they first must pass a criteria and a biblical doctrine vetting process <laughs> which includes questions about the virgin birth i really hope the um did, did you see Mary with Joseph? <laughs> I really, I'm going to beat that horse, but I just keep thinking of it. Like, well, well, Mary, seen you with Joseph. Um, I really hope that made it as one of the virgin birth questions on this, this little questionnaire. That's all I can hope for. 
So they're also really picky about what they choose to fund, and they've created their own system of categorizing causes as either good or great. Which, of course, they only want to fund the great ones. Well, yeah. Uh, but just because I, I, just, I want to help you understand okay. the differences. So here are some examples. Good, things that would be considered good, would be building hospitals, improving childhood literacy, disease, disease research, things okay. like that. Versus great, which would be spreading God's word. That's it. That's okay. it. So just so everyone's tracking, um, Jesus loses his Instagram following. Like that campaign, great. Great cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, building hospitals, meh. Could take it or leave it. So just just so people are quite on un- your understanding yeah. what they cho- what they choose to do with this money. But he gets us. Some of oh, us. Oh, damn, it worked on me. Some of us. So David Green said, quote, oh, this, oh, I get mad. Um, <laughs> I want to know that I have affected people for eternity. I believe I am. I believe once someone knows Christ as their personal savior, I've affected eternity. I matter 10 billion years from now. Oof. Yeesh. Oof. The ego. Oh, yeah. My Dripping. God. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> So some of the ministries that they donate large amounts of money to, they list directly on their website. So they talk about how their thing is not to give tiny little bits of money. They prefer, prefer to give large amounts of money. And they like to, pref- like, they have a handful of things that they give the bulk of their money to. And then they're like at any other given time, like 60 to 70 smaller things. But even their, their idea of smaller is still pretty large. But they just don't do, like, here's 10,000. Everything right. is pretty big. Well, of course, there's more notoriety with that. And bigger deductions. Let's yep. remember that, too. And mm-hmm. write-offs. And, yeah. Yep. So some of these big, the ones that they kind of consistently donate to, they have listed on their website. There's five of them listed, one of which is Version, which is a Bible app. Okay. Then there's One Hope, which gives Bibles to children around the world. And I just, I, I couldn't help myself. I have to tell you what one of the things it says on their website it says quote relief efforts may only provide temporary aid while god's word has the power to bring eternal life and change (laughs) in addition to a fulfill life on earth just fucking gross it's like sorry you're hungry but here's a bible yeah unless they can eat the fucking bible (laughs) get out of here maybe they should fund edible bibles there you go like edible undies. You know how like they print on fruit by the foot? You know how there was jokes on fruit by the foot? <laughs> they can do the same thing. Edible undies are like fruit by the foot, aren't they? Just, they take, are, just cross yeah. the two things. That are just connected at all. <laughs> there you go. Edible As you keep, I have a joke I want to make in my head, but I'm trying to like work workshop, it out in my head. So. You can yep, interrupt so. me when you need to. Okay. But that is the material. And then I remember mm-hmm. when there was jokes on them. It's perfect. <laughs> edible Bibles. Next business venture. Yep. Get ready, Hobby Lobby. Here we come. <laughs> so those are just two of them, but they also list Oral Roberts University on their website as one of those main things. One of my favorite university names whenever March Madness was come up. Well, doesn't it sound like like a college kid's nickname? 
Oh yeah. Hey there, Oral Roberts. Like, doesn't it? Like, it's like the nickname for like a frat boy or like a girl or you know, whatever. like some college kids' nickname that they don't want their kid to find out about later in life. Hey, Oral Roberts. Oh man. So, I will say that in researching who they donate to, there is a, I mean, countless. Christian evangelical universities, mm-hmm. whether they're don- donating money or land, it's it's a shit ton of them, really. Right. But the reason there's a reason why they actually list Oral Roberts on their website. Okay. So I'm gonna give you a little ma- major major cliff notes. In 2007, the Green family donated 70 million dollars to the university. Damn, it's a lot. Yeah, this was following the resignation of. Uh, oral uh the oral son uh, his son richard so we have dick dick roberts now um who he resigned and it just keeps getting worse i know between dick roberts oral roberts yeah we got all sorts of things happening here good old fellatio roberts over there the this is why fellatio that's his cousin um (laughs) um i i don't want to get too deep into it but it is entertaining so i have to tell you guys like a little bit i can't help it (laughs) So the resignation came after a wrongful termination suit brought on by three professors ended up bringing out a bunch of shit. Like, I mean, I'm I'm skipping over the majority of it. Okay. Just to tell you that Dick's wife, um, she was sending their kids on vacations to the Bahamas using like the university private jet. Okay. She was buying clothes with university money. They Mm. were paying for her daughter, their kids like horse stables, Mm. all sorts of shit like that. Um, so major like misuse of funds. Correct. But then the other thing on top of it that made the whole thing more like, ooh, was the fact that she was caught spending time with and texting underage males as well as staying the night in the university guest house on nine occasions with an underage male. Damn. There was pictures of them together together in um, her car smoking Whoa. at midnight. And that area has a 10 p.m. curfew for any underage kids, not with wow. like their parent. So it Damn. turned into this whole thing about like his wife, like not only is she spending the money, but then they're like, she's like with underage. And like, she's not young. Like, I'm like, she's not mm. even like the 40 year old, like cougar. cougar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's... The Mrs. Robinson character. No, she's old. Like, you know? Saber-toothed so, tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so, the whole thing is just, like, this big scandal. Okay. So, they come in. So, he resigns. They come in with, like... I think it was, like, $52 million at first, and then it went up mm. to, like, $70 million. But now, like I said, the Greens donate to a ton of different universities. So it's like mm-hmm. what makes it different that this is actually listed on their website as one of those big highlights. Okay. And that's because part of the whole deal was that his son, Mart, became chairman of the board. Go figure. The same son that runs that Christian bookstore franchise. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch uh, of back scratching going on. Yeah. Or so, front scratching if what, you're Mrs. Roberts. <laughs> Whatever's going on with Lindsay, you know. Um, I was hoping she would have a more uh, a more physical adjacent name. Yeah, Lindsay's not, not like. that great in this situation. <laughs> yeah, it's a little disappointing after you've had Oral and Dick. So, <laughs> Oral and Dick. Oral and Dick. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is my wife, Labia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Lindsay. We can move around some letter, you know. <laughs> move it to the side, you know. You know. <laughs> Merp. Um, 
So anyways, so at first it was like that $50 million donation, but has since risen to over $110 million. That's at wow. least $110 million. So I could go on forever about who they donate money to, but what I want to do next is connect this all together, and let's talk about donating to IBLP. Mm. I touched on this very, very briefly in a previous deep dive, but now we'll get into it a little bit more in detail. Okay. I'm ready. So back in 2000, the Greens donated a 529,717 square foot building. So that's about 75 Lego lands, just to <laughs> just to be clear, since I think of things in okay those terms now. How many Jack in the Box tacos did it cost to build? <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't divide that out. Damn it! Damn. Oh no, but it's just double that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll get there. So um, because. <laughs> so when I get to the number. So so they did donated this building um, in Little Rock, Arkansas. The Greens had purchased it from the Veterans Affairs for 299000 So that's about 600,000 tacos. <laughs> we're getting, we're talking tacos. Uh, this was also the place where Josh was initially sent to after that night with the Holtz, if you remember. Mm, it Taking all it comes full yep. circle. But don't just think that they're always like, you know, giving stuff away. No, no, no. They sell it, too. Because in 2001, they sold a 2,250-acre campus in Big Sandy, Texas to IBLP for $10. Uh, But what they paid for that campus has not been disclosed, so I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm very curious, though. This was the scene of the crime with the unfortunate umbrella throwing. As well as Anna's poor, unfortunate uh, trip to the snack bar. Mm. So we have seen the scene of this big sandy campus. Life it's has where, changed. It's where ATI uh, family conference happens. So we can blame Hobby Lobby for everything that Anna's going through. Yeah, they, that snack. <laughs> if they hadn't bought that land that has that snack bar, she could have been a different woman right now. Yeah, I mean, I still blame Oral and Dick because yeah. it just because the wordplay is so good. Mm-hmm. So the next thing, um, in 2005, the Greens again sold a property to IBLP in Nashville for another $10. Think of all the property I could buy right now. I've never felt so fucking rich if I could buy shit for $10. That property. I'm assuming they're able to write all that off. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Like, this is like them feeling like they're serving God and then jerking themselves off uh, (laughs) in the process and also getting massive tax. Yeah. Like, you know. Yep. Um, but this one, it costs $3.5 million, this wow. one that they sold for $10. Mm-hmm. And this became an IBLP training center. They also bought a training center in New Zealand, but I was unsure of the year on that one. But Gothard said that the Greens providing the facilities really helped the bottom line. <laughs> which, you know, free shit will do that. Yeah. Massive free properties will, you know, will tend to help the bottom line. Yeah. And you know what? What Jesus cares about the most is flow through to the bottom line. Oh yeah, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. They when's where's the flow through? Uh, he gets us campaign. Because <laughs> they it was called like the influencer, the mm-hmm. team, uh, the whatever you know, the rebel is another one of the yep. commercials. We need the bottom line. Yep. The flow through. The return on investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets us. Some of us. <laughs> well, he gets us. <laughs> So details are vague, but at some point, someone or a few members of the Green family did attend an IBLP seminar. Okay. 
I have not been able to find any specifics on who. It's always just like members of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was worth noting that Steve Green. So remember how I talked about how David Green grew up Pentecostal? Yeah. When you see anything now, they just say devout Christian. Mm. They don't mention Pentecostal, but I know that that's how that they grew up. That's the I don't want to offend anybody Christian. But also um, worth noting that Steve Green now attends a Baptist church. Oh. So, yes, I know that IBLP is not a denomination, mm. but there's no denying that the vast amount of the a, a huge chunk of the IBLP population is Baptist. And you know what that mindset reminds me of is the group that put the commercial out that was like, we're not specifically any kind of politic leaning or we're not specifically a a group of people that are from this religion, but all of your people are. Yeah, exactly. How many, how many Muslims do you have in your, in your employee? You know what I mean? We're not we're not affiliated with that, but everybody in our group totally is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not saying it is Stephen because I don't know for sure, but knowing that he is going to a Baptist church now, I'm like, mm. mm, kind of makes me feel like he might at least be one of them that went. Yeah. So in 2009, Steve Green was invited to speak at a regional seminar in Big Sandy Ooh. for IBLP. That same year, Bill Gothard was invited to speak to Hobby Lobby employees. So they're just kind of like, you can, uh, you, why don't you come here and I'll go there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes, Bill Gothard went and he spoke to Hobby Lobby employees. And he handed out copies of How to Resolve Seven Deadly Stresses, <laughs> which at the time was one of Gothard's latest books. Mm, you got a shill. Mm-hmm. Yep. In 2010, David Green endorsed a book by Bill Gothard called The Amazing Way. So it's the amazing way and then it has all these subtitles underneath. Uh, it says to complete success, to lasting wealth, to total health, to great joy. He's got the answers to everything, you know. Joy is pretty funny. The great joy. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So David Green, his endorsement said, quote, through the example and teachings of Bill Gothard and the Institute and Basic Life Principles, we have benefited both as a family and in our business. It is as we take those lessons from God's word that Bill clearly articulates that we live the full life that God intends. So they're really jerking off Bill here. It sounds like, yeah, there's a whole lot of... Uh... Big, I'm told he's a big circle jerk. Remember we mm-hmm. watched Jim Sammons and, um, yep. and Lego last time? They're all mm-hmm. just jerking each other off. Yep. So in 2012, Steve Green was invited back to speak at an IBLP event. This time, it was at the IBLP headquarters in Illinois, and it was for a business leaders seminar. To this very day, on one of IBLP's websites, there is a video by Stephen Green titled, Sharing Life Purpose Health. The title is weird. Okay. Sharing Life Purpose Health with Thousands of Employees. Okay. Sharing Life Purpose Health. That's just a weird way to word it. I don't know. Yeah. So in regards to the Green family, Bill Gothard has said, quote, the secret of their success is their generosity. They're friends. I see and talk to them periodically. So again, they sold us land for really cheap. <laughs> they're friends. They're yeah. so nice. So I just once again um, kind of want to just check for understanding here <laughs> as you do in, you know, teaching uh, disease research. Meh. Helping Bill Gothard spread his bullshit, a great cause. Mm-hmm. So, 
Well, one of the things that was on your good list was uh, promoting childhood literacy. What better way to teach them to read than with the Bible? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I can give you a Bible and be like, I'm promoting reading in schools. Mm -hmm. Yep, same thing. (laughs) So that kind of sums up the connection and support of IBLP. But I think a lot of people don't know that outside the sphere. They go, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's just so many, like, vines that go across both sides Mm -hmm. and so much of like like i said before it was a joke but like there's so much back scratching going on you know yep so the final thing i'm going to get into today is the thing that really put hobby lobby and the greens in the spotlight now they were certainly known before but it was in september 2012 that Hobby Lobby filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Labor. So this, uh, their lawsuit, it was taking a stance against the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, which now is just called the Affordable Care Act, and people often refer to it as Obamacare. People well, of course, to- if you're going to make it scary, name it after something they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So part of the act at the time required companies with 50 or more employees to cover 20 different methods of birth control as part of their employee insurance coverage that Mm -hmm. they offered. Failure to do so would result in fines of $100 per employee per day. So the Greens said that this, this act forces religious owners to, quote, violate their faith under the threat of millions of dollars in fines. So that's because when they did the math with what they, where they were at employee-wise at the time, they said that it would cost them $475 million in fines a year. <laughs> David Green said, quote, These abortion-causing drugs go against our faith, and our family is now being forced to choose between following the laws of the land or maintaining the religious beliefs that have made our business successful. We simply cannot abandon our religious beliefs to comply with this mandate. So why was all their panties all in a bunch? It's because they are opposed to two forms of the morning after pill, Mm -hmm. as well as two intrauterine devices, IUDs, Mm -hmm. that are on that list of 20 birth control methods. They consider these things to be abortifacients. I don't think I've ever heard that word in my life. Well, it's like they're all about that word. Like it's popping up. It sounds like a word that like somebody would get wrong and they don't know how to say it correctly, but they just kind of move on. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you know, all these like all these uh, board of patients over here, and then you just move on because somebody says something wrong. This takes us back to what we discussed all the way back in episode two. This whole idea that life begins at fertilization. Mm-hmm. So anything that might interfere with implantation, they consider to be an abortion. Mm-hmm. So the morning after pill, which, you know, people love to call the abortion pill, um, and IUDs make implantation more difficult. So that's why they say that they're opposed to having the insurance that they offer their employees mm-hmm. covering them. Right. But it's funny, though, to me, because... You get a, pe- a positive pregnancy test after implantation. <laughs> Correct. Not the second that the egg is fertilized. Correct. So, uh, you know, eggs could be uh, fertilized naturally and never implant 
on on its own like that can happen anyways Mm -hmm. um so it's just this very extreme idea of where life begins at that at that exact moment of fertilization Mm -hmm. but the greens they did specifically state though that they have no moral objections to other contraceptions so the reason i bring that up is because i do find it funny how like the duggars and randy alcorn who wrote that book that i was referencing in episode two Mm -hmm. they all share this idea that life begins at fertilization and that if you prevent implantation it's the same as abortion the difference though is that the greens have somehow stopped at plan b and iud's whereas the duggars and randy alcorn and people with the same mindset if you remember um they're against even hormonal birth control right because Remember how we talked about how hormonal birth control works in like three steps? Mm-hmm. And if those first two fail, that last thing is that it um, changes. Because, you know, the first was like, you know, making like everything's more viscous and it's harder right. for the sperm to get. Th- you know, so there's these two steps. And mm-hmm. that last step is that it affects the thickness of the uterine lining. So which makes implantation much less likely. Mm-hmm. So it was like the whole, you know, if you take the pill, you'll you'll never know if your period is a real period or an abortion. <laughs> Remember that? So yeah. it was like, that's why yeah. I was like, don't take the pill because you're never going to know the difference. Mm-hmm. So I find it just really funny that even with this shared core belief of fertilization being the moment of, you know, life. Yeah. And the idea of anything preventing implantation equals abortion. They... They don't actually align completely still. Correct. They they, they land in different places. Mm-hmm. So I just find it really... It's just an interesting thing that I'm just like... You, you guys both have this core thing. But I feel like such a representation of even in religion. We yeah. look at people reading the same text, the same mm-hmm. Bible or whatever, and they're coming up with all these different interpretations or all these different stop lines. Like right. this person says don't do this another one like yeah that's okay it's the same type of thing Mm -hmm. so i just thought that was worth pointing out because it's fascinating to me so anyway the greens say that this act violates their rights to freedom of religion and free speech so making a very very long story short (laughs) after first being shot down in the first court in oklahoma which Mm -hmm. by the way i don't think i've said the whole time like uh hobby lobby and the greens are all headquarters and everything is in oklahoma okay so after initially being shot down in Oklahoma court, it made its way up through the appeals courts and all the way up to the very top to the U.S. Supreme Court. Of course. On June 30th, 2014, in a narrow five to four decision, the Supreme Court rules that closely held corporations can choose to be exempt from the law on the basis of religion. So the verbiage of closely held is... For corporations with, I I don't remember if there's an actual like set number, but it's for having few owners. Yeah. So it's funny because Hobby Lobby is this huge, gigantic corporation, Mm -hmm. but because they've kept the ownership within their family, this works for them. This is how that this works. Correct. Because it's like, oh, they are closely held, even though they're operating on a scale that normally it would not be considered closely held. Correct. Uh, So this ended up making huge waves across the nation, Mm -hmm. sparking rallies and protests and putting the Greens and Hobby Lobby in the spotlight from then on out. Mm -hmm. The notorious RBG, who unsurprisingly 
dissented this decision. Mm. She said, quote, how does the court divine which religious beliefs are worthy of accommodation and which are not? Um, and she had a really, really long document for her mm. dissent, but uh, I keeping it to like one line. <laughs> and then she goes on to mention medications made with pig products, antidepressants, mm-hmm. blood transfusions, just as a couple of examples, mm-hmm. because all of those listed are against one or at least one or more religions correct so you could take a bunch of religions that would be like oh well if this medication has gelatin in it from a pig or scientology who's against antidepressants Mm -hmm. jehovah's witness you can't have blood transfusions correct where do you draw the fucking line why was it okay to exempt them where the fuck you know why are we drawing this line here so she later states quote the court i fear has ventured into a minefield oh that's, that I kept all that start. down. To, I kept it all down to two lines from her. Yep. So of course the Greens were elated, saying, "Quote: The court's decision is a victory, not only just for our family business, but for all who seek to live out their faith." So that is the history of the Hobby Lobby uh, Corporation, the Green family, and just a teeny tiny little toe dip into some of their beliefs and financial backings. Man. So if you were listening to this and you're like, I wonder why she didn't bring up blah, blah, blah. Because like I said, they're in the news regularly oh, of now. Course, yeah. <laughs> because now they feel like they won the first one. So now they can put the victim card on themselves. But also everybody's watching them. Mm-hmm. Everybody's watching them now for, yep. for the fumbles and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering, it's because there's just way too much to cover. So we will definitely be talking about them again in the future at some point. Mm-hmm. This deep dive alone inspired two more deep dives. <laughs> so when I was doing this, I keep a like a running list of deep dive ideas mm-hmm. in my phone. So while I was working on this, the number went from 74 to 76. Damn. But as of the moment right now, I actually have 79 uh, deep dive topics in my phone. Because so. <laughs> you added uh, picture frames. Exactly. The yeah. picture frame mm-hmm. deep dive. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. I figured. Um, names that sound vaguely inappropriate deep dive. Yep. Okay. Uh, something for instead of Lindsay, that could be inappropriate. Besides mm. labia, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so I'm gonna do a little, little bit of a wind down, but I, okay. I promise to try to make this short, because I know we've been here for a while. So of course, there's absolutely no way to know for sure. We have no way of knowing, mm-hmm. uh, and it's entirely possible that things would have turned out exactly the same. But to me, finding out what David Green's mother said to him with the whole like, but what are you doing for the Lord? Yeah. You know, that, that was really interesting and a little bit eye opening for me because it, it does make me wonder how how much he would have intertwined religion with his work had that not been a thing, you know, mm-hmm. so much. Uh, if he had just been allowed to be that guy that really likes retail because. <laughs> right. Like, how, could it have turned out differently? Yeah. But clearly there was an expectation and, you know, Bill Gothard loves that whole like peer dependence thing. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like yeah. there was like this peer dependence, peer pressure within the family. Yep. This like seemingly standard of his family that like if you don't make your work somehow related to ministry, it's it's not good enough. It's not as good. Yeah. Yeah. So just this extreme idea that God has to be completely centered or forward within your work Mm -hmm. 
And it, like I said earlier, like, of course, Christians are going to say God should be at the center of all things in your life and blah, 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 blah. Like, I get that that's a belief system for yeah. people, right? But again, like I said earlier, I don't feel like the absence of it from being the center of your career makes your belief any less than. Mm-hmm. You can be just as devout and not fucking have to incorporate it into your job every day. Mm-hmm. How do you as a chef incorporate it? How does the fucking plumber <laughs> do it? Like, why? Yeah. Sometimes your your job can be a job and it doesn't mean you make make you any less of a believer mm-hmm. it also feels like the the friend that gets into like something and then that becomes their personality yeah yeah like the friend that got into foreign film in college and then that instantly became their personality was that they were the foreign film person you I know don't go to regular movies <laughs> yeah. yeah um my come- savior gets us <laughs> yeah some of us. So we covered this pretty extensively, so I'm just going to skip over it, but I had I wrote down just like the the what is great versus what is a uh, good. Oh, that was just, that, that whole thing was wild to me. Yep. And the ego that was attached to it. Yeesh. Um but I I found it interesting to uh let me let me rephrase. Um I feel like we expect or are sort of used to seeing churches and religions mm-hmm. have shit tons of money and watching them use that money to push their beliefs. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're, it's par for the course. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we understand that at this point, even if we don't like it, it's the norm. Yeah. I found it really fascinating to see who this, so to speak, just a family. Yeah. Have so much power. Mm-hmm. It, they can say that they're a family and a business, mm-hmm. but with the amount of money and the things that they're doing, they might as well be a religion almost. Oh, yeah. And that would feed right back into the ego, too. Yeah. I used to shop at Hobby Lobby all the time during Christmas because was, they had a huge ornaments, yeah. ornament <laughs> But section. now we have old world Christmas and we don't need them anymore. That's true. Hashtag should be an ad. Mm-hmm. Reach out. <laughs> Old World Christmas, we love you. <laughs> Dots Pretzels, we also love you. Yeah. You send me emails all year, Old World Christmas. All year long. Maybe uh, maybe throw a little bit of that scratch our way. Yep. So, yeah. But that's my point. It was just, To me, it's just really interesting to see. They're like, oh, this isn't even a church. This isn't even yeah. a religion. And look at the pull that they have in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And finally, one last point. I'm trying to move this along for for your sake. Um, just with the whole Supreme Court lawsuit, <laughs> their basis of it going against their religious beliefs that they're providing via their insurance that they are partially paying for, right? That's mm-hmm. their basis. They're like, well, we pay for part of this, and so right. we don't want our money going towards these things that are against our beliefs. Yeah. But to me, with that logic and mindset... Mm-hmm. Why is that where then you're drawing that line? I keep talking about these lines Mm -hmm. because it's like you drew. So versus like the Duggars and the Alcorns, you you drew this different line. Correct. Of birth control. But why is this your line? People are very, very likely using green money via their paychecks Mm -hmm. as your employee of Hobby Lobby. So using that green money... They're very likely to support all kinds of things that would go against your religious beliefs. Correct. Yeah. 
So to me, what's the fucking difference? Mm-hmm. So we give you a paycheck for the work you do, and then you do what you please with that money. Mm-hmm. We provide a health care plan as a part of you working here. Do what you please with the health care coverage mm-hmm. is how it should be. Yeah. So it's like I'm sure people with their mindset will find some way to argue that they're different or something like that. But I, I don't I truly don't see a difference. You can't dictate if you're not dictating how they spend their money that they get from you in regards to your religious beliefs. What the fuck does their what they're doing with their health insurance coverage have to do with it? Right. It's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And people it's not different in my mind. Yeah. A lot of this, I think we might have talked about this once. A lot of this reminds me of a conversation I had with my dad. If you guys remember us talking about the um, donating plasma to get some money. Yeah. Don't do that. Druggies do that. Yeah. If you don't remember that, there was a point where I was in between jobs and I was driving for Lyft and I was donating plasma every week. And I remember my dad... For the record, not a time that he quit. It was a time that the... There was a hostile takeover takeover, at the hotel I had opened, and they literally shit-canned the entire culinary staff. Yeah, so this wasn't like the current situation of going, I gotta get out. It was not on our terms at all. Yeah, literally the entire kitchen staff got fired. The pregnant girl that was our food and beverage admin... Everybody in management through the whole hotel, though, wasn't just food and beverage. Mm -hmm. It was the entire GM, the assistant GM, everybody. So... Anyway, I'm donating plasma weekly um, to help kind of pay my bills until I can find something new. We had it down to the penny. I had my income, and we were like, if you just make this much money, we'll be fine. We had it down to like the cents. Between Lyft and (laughs) and plasma, yeah. And I remember my dad at the end of a conversation just casually telling me, I wish you wouldn't have to do that. I wish I didn't have to either. Yeah, and I said something to that effect where I was like, yeah, I I wish I made enough money, but I don't right now. So I, I got to do what I got to do. And when I finally unpacked more of why he didn't want me to do it, it was, well, I don't like I don't like that you do that because people do that to get money for drugs. And Whitney's has the best line about the entire thing. You know what else do people do to get money for drugs? Go to work. <laughs> yep, they clock in and clock out, and when they get paid, they buy an eight ball. Like that's it. <laughs> it's like so. It's so funny to attach this thing to this other thing mm-hmm. for getting money, but not to everybody who has a fucking job and does whatever. It's it's it is. It's the same thing. Is this yeah. Hobby Lobby bullshit? Mm-hmm. Why are you deciding that this one thing is like is oh, okay? That's the problem, and this mm-hmm. is okay, but it's not any fucking different. Yeah. To be fair, my dad still had the mindset about, like, tattoo shops the same way. Like, in his head, he had this idea of it being in, like, a back alley with, like, a fa- like a sink that's dripping water onto the ground. And, like, a dude that's, like, working on a motorcycle next to the, like, the chair that you're getting a tattoo in. Like, it's still, it's things that he's never experienced, but still, I'm going to push my judgment on them, you know. I think your dad thinks that the Plasma Center... One arm is taking the plasma, and the other one, they're shooting up heroin. Oh. That's definitely what's happening. I must not have gotten the right uh, phlebotomist while I was there, because I didn't get that treatment at all. You didn't give her, like, the the wink or, you know, the... No. No. Not even a cookie at the end is what I got. Nope. (laughs) 
But yeah, it's it's totally the same idea. People just attaching what they think is right and wrong to random mm-hmm. ass things when it's like, well, not and I'm not, of course I'm by no means saying that I think Hobby Lobby sh- should be doing anything with your paycheck because yeah. they can't. But it's funny to sit here and say they can't dictate how you spend your money. But I also want to sit here and say they can't dictate how I use my health insurance. How but they just did. Mm-hmm. And my <laughs> like in my thought process is too. If this was a case that was brought by a family that owned a big company like this that was Jewish and they wanted to affect, like you said, things that are made with kind of like pig, you know, blood or whatever it is, you know, research that's kind of done on pigs and they didn't want that to be a part of the healthcare, would the Supreme Court have chosen the same decision? It's, you know, because. You're because absolutely that, right. Because they're not on they're not on their team. Yeah, yeah. So now there's the difference where it's not about the letter of the law. Now all of a sudden it's about something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't have that because I don't agree with it. <laughs> you know. They got it because they're part the of the United same team. The United States is largely Christian. And mm-hmm. then even people who didn't originally have a problem with it, they hear this happening and then they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not Yeah, you're right. Because they're being persecuted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then everybody who didn't even think twice about it before is suddenly like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, would an employee committing a crime or engaging in something against their beliefs with their money from their salary, would it weigh on them as heavily as this is? I don't think there's enough. There's no way. There's no way. No, and I don't think there's enough social wherewithal for them to think about it that hard. Like I don't think it I don't think it goes to that level of like okay, an employee of mine is using their money. I don't think they think about there's that. There's no yeah, they don't cuz there's no ego in that part of it. There's ego in the other part because then you can make yourself a victim and you can you can tell all these other people that are on your same team that you're being persecuted or canceled and then all of them are going to rally behind you because they're going to feel like they have to. Yeah. You know. And then of course they want to people trying to excuse us or like, "Well, there's that's only 4 out of they're they're only having issues with four out of twenty. You still have sixteen other forms. Of, that's not the fucking point. Exactly. The point is not that there's sixteen other. The they should not because part of what the Supreme Court said is that they can find uh other ways to get these, um, to get these if they really want these through like the government and like whatever. But it's like there should not be fucking hoops. You have insurance. Like, yep. why do you have to go through these hoops? And mm-hmm. what other hoops will they create? That's. The point is not mm, that there's there 16 other like if you find an IUD to be what you prefer you should be able to get it. Mm-hmm. It's not up to them what you do with your health insurance mm-hmm. coverage. The same way that it is not up to them what you do with your money once it's in your fucking account. Yep. It's the same. Yep. But it's not apparently. <laughs> oh, I think I'm done winding down. You're spent. Yep. This was this one was I don't know if it sounded as exhausting as it was, but it was very exhausting. And like I, I said, I I have notes now for two other deep dives. <laughs> like, it sounds like it was exhausting because it led you to kind of think way outside and kind of plan the future. So you were a little kind of like all over the place because you would deep dive down a hole and then go, oh crap, this is this is getting yeah. to be its own so, thing. I gotta 
Yeah, so I think that was part of it. I also feel like there's a subject matter here of things that are really big pet peeves of yours as we're kind of exploring this um, kind of extreme religion kind of different groups. I feel like there's things that bother you. And I feel like this was full of a lot of the things that bother you. I I just, I can't understand it. You don't want like the plan B pill and you don't like IUDs. Mm-hmm. Don't eat, get an IUD implant, you know, put it or whatever. Yeah. And then don't use plan B. Okay. Yeah. Why the fuck are you in everybody else's vagina? Like, yeah. get out of here. You don't like gay marriage? Don't get gay, get married. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, If I can reference something that you said earlier before we kind of oh, yeah. close it out. Um. So one of the the hotels I worked at, I was the um, executive banquet chef and we had banquet space up to like a thousand. We used to do plated events for like a thousand people. It was insane. Um, But we used to do a lot of kosher. Oh, yeah. You told the story about the spinach, remember? Yeah. So um, when we were doing our kosher events, um, our challenge was that our kosher clients that would come in and want to have this party would usually you know either ask us can you guys add on to our fee in order to have a group of mshkias in the kitchen with us to make sure you're doing everything completely kosher and give you two pieces of spinach for 300 people exactly Mm -hmm. that was that was him (laughs) michael um the spinach killer um so that's already a challenge enough because we have to go and get kind of our person that runs a company that's kind of like a kosher consultant and he'll send his people and and check with us um our challenge for one of the clients was that he was a rabbi himself so when i would order food from this company a fully kosher food purveyor in california they would drop it off on a pallet and when that pallet got there i had texted the consulting rabbi if he could come by and double check the product before we actually touched it. Um, And before he did that, the client being a rabbi himself came and looked at it and said, look through all of it, you know, and then it was like, you're good to go. So we had started processing it. Like I had pulled proteins and people were working proteins. We were cooking off pasta. We were, you know, and as we're doing that, the consulting rabbi shows up and goes, why are you guys cooking already? And we were like, well, and I, at first I was going to say his name, but he's actually really big in the community. So I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't um, do that. But, um, you know, so the consulting rabbi was like, why are you cooking? And myself as the chef and my boss, Chef Ken, were like, well, rabbi so-and-so already came and looked at it. And he's like. He's not the consultant on this. I am the consultant on this. And he may think that he knows certain things, but I have my own standards. So then he looked through, and then, of course, he didn't like four of the things that they said. Now he has to find something because he's got his panties in a twist. Of course. Ego. So as we're sitting there, I not, you know, not to my knowledge, Chef Ken had actually reached out to the client and said, hey, Rabbi so-and-so is here, and he's not happy with the product. So then the client comes over, and they're in the walk-in staring at this pallet of kosher food, arguing in Hebrew. And me and Ken are just standing there awkwardly in the walk-in as these two old rabbis argue in Hebrew. And at one point, 
Ken kind of like gets in between them and claps his hands and goes, gentlemen, I'm not going to get in the middle of a rabbi fight. So I need to know whether we can use this or not because I need to figure out alternatives if I can't. And he turned around and walked and we walked out and I, I followed him, but I will never, ever forget. I'm not going to get in the middle of a rabbi fight. But the point I was connecting to was you talking about interpretations. And yeah. that's what it is in that arena. The rabbi who was the client who was putting on the party had his own interpretations of the scripture and the consulting rabbi had his own interpretations of the scripture and they're all different. Yep. There's no black even at and the, white. Even with that same core belief, mm-hmm. it turns out different. Correct. Yep. And on another side note, um, if you ever look at products that you buy in the store, there's all sorts of kosher um, signage that's on there, like little pictographs that like tell you whether something has dairy in it or it's kosher, or it's parav or whatever it is. Um, and I remember we got garbanzo beans in to make hummus and we showed the consulting rabbi and he and we were like oh no we're good look it has this logo and he goes yeah that's one of the kosher logos that we don't accept okay and i remember chef ken looking at him and going oh are those the wrong side the wrong types of jews are those the south side jews <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because Ken could like needle them a little bit, like, needle yeah. them, but not enough to make them mad. Yeah. And it always made me laugh. So sorry, random story about kosher catering, but I think it's funny. It is funny. All these different standards everybody has and somebody Every- else isn't doing it right. And somebody else is taking, somebody's getting off the the bus at this stop and the other one's <laughs> taking it this far. It's just all different. They're all landing someplace different. That's a very good analogy to make. So all right. Well, I think Mildred's exhausted. She is. I am yeah. exhausted. But this is our very last recap and deep dive of season mm-hmm. two. Yeah. That is the last episode of season two um, before we have to start a different disc set. Yeah. So that's it. Do we do we want to do another like Q&A like last time? Last time it started off with me going like, what do you think so far? Because we were new. New. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we need to do that because any, you know, mm-hmm. but we then we did the Q and A. Do we want to do the Q and A? Was fun. Yeah. I think we should do the Q and A again. I actually have a couple ideas of some things I want to throw together, um, to put out there as kind of like a momentous. We've been doing this technically for two seasons. All right. So I guess on that note, send us your questions. Mm-hmm. We'll probably record in about a week. Yep. So uh, yeah. So send us your questions. Email is probably better just because of the way I can put them into a folder and kind of keep track of them. Yeah, we can uh, organize thing, it. Things get lost kind of on Instagram only because people's reply to stories goes in with messages mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. it can get a little... If you send it there, I will try my best to mm-hmm. still include it. But um, yeah, so send us your questions and we will do a Q&A in a week. Yep. So you can send those questions to diggingupthedougars at gmail.com. You can... You know, can go ahead. Sorry, I messed us up. Go for it. You've been doing this. I don't know why. Go ahead. You can feel free to buy us a pickle. Buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. Digging up the Doug. Um, join us on the Insta at digging up the Duggers pod um, for visuals. And there's Mildred stories and there's kind of some personal stuff. I had so. an update on cashmere the other day. If you missed <laughs> that it. That was so good. Um, so if you want an update on cashmere and you haven't been on in a while, go to episode... <laughs> 28 
at the highlight reel of episode 28. I just, add, even though it just happened this week, I mm. added it to the relevant uh, highlight reel yeah. of the episode. So That's keep... one of my favorite episodes, I'm not going to lie. So get another uh, update on Kashmir, find out what's going on with Mildred, get episode visuals, and find out when shit's going on in our life and we can't record an episode. <laughs> yep. I have slowly had um, listeners follow my personal page. And I don't post a whole lot anymore on there, but when I do post things, I am starting to see those names again. So it's kind of cool to yeah. have a leak out. But um, anyway, if you do want to send us traditional mail, we got some very cool things recently. Um, you can send it to P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. Mildred got a whole care package from a fellow toothless cat named Sheldon. Oh. Someone replied and was like, does she have a secret to admire her? And I'm like, she's a little baby. She can't have a boyfriend. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so she got she has, treats and toys and a card. She has a pet pal. <laughs> yep. Oh, there you go. Pet yep. pal. Oh, yep. pet Sheldon, pals. you're her pet pal. Sheldon. Shout out to Sheldon. That was a very <laughs> and, sweet and package. And maybe Sheldon's parents may have helped a little. Just a tiny bit. Yeah. yeah. So. But. At least helped them close the envelope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, have yourselves a good week. Hopefully, we'll see you for uh, our State of the Pod Volume 2 uh, Q&A session. Cross your fingers and send good vibes for Tim's fourth interview. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't be a selfish miniata.